Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable in your sight through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. You know, it's been said, and I'm inclined to agree, that the most notorious sinners, and that would include their uh, drug lords, human traffickers, mass murderers, and so on, the most notorious sinners really know very little about sin. They really know little about it. Here's what I mean. Imagine that you're on a river in a boat, and you have no idea what the strength of that current is by simply floating downstream. You discover the strength of the current only when you begin to paddle against it, only when you row upstream. That's when you get a feel for how strong that current really is. Now, I want you to think of sin as the current in the river. And those notorious sinners simply float downstream. They relax and do what comes naturally. But some of us are different. Some of us paddle upstream. We resist the current. And that's point number one in your outline for this evening. In your worship bulletin, those who understand sin best are the people of God who resist it. We know its devastating effects. We know how difficult it is to oppose it. Because we do it every day. We see the effects of sin in broken lives, broken relationships. We experience it in our own bodies, the effects of it. Illness and death. And all of us have very painful memories from the past. All of us do. Things that we have said, things that we have done, and the pain, the memory of that hurt, that not that we've experienced, but that we've caused others, the offenses that we are guilty of, cause us to wish that we could have a do-over. That we could go back and relive that day, that we could relive that moment, we would, we would speak differently, we would behave differently, we really would. But my friends, all the do-overs in the world won't get you into heaven. All the do-overs God could possibly give you will not qualify you for eternal life. You will still fall short, and I will also. No, God has a better idea. We'll get to that in a moment. Point number two, spiritual struggle is a sign of life. It is a sign of life, spiritual life, at work in you. It is a sign that the Holy Spirit is having his say and having his way in our lives. 
That's what struggle means. Some folks don't have any struggle. The people of God do. Point A, the struggle results from our salvation in Christ. We've been born again. We have a new life, a new will. And that will agrees with the will of God. And that will is opposed by the old will in me and in you. And that's the source of the conflict. That's the war that Paul is talking about in his members. There's two principles at work, and they are in conflict. They clash, and they clash every day. And we experience the struggle. We know, on the one hand, what is good and right and profitable for us and for others around us, and that's what we desperately want. But on the other hand, we find that we are very weak. And that old will within us will not give up without a fight. It won't give up without a struggle. It does not want to give you over to God. It wants its power back. And I have this illustrated for you in the little diagram under point A. You'll notice uh, there's sin's dominion. And, and by the way, we were willing subjects of sin. Willing. We weren't forced. It was all we knew. It's all we wanted. More for me, myself, and I. But then we were born again. We were baptized. We were converted. We were given a new life. And that's beginning at point one. That's your baptism. That's your conversion. And notice that gray area or the lined area all the way to your physical death. That's the conflict. That's the area of conflict in your life. It's not until we die that we leave this old will behind. But we're still not complete. We're not complete until the resurrection. And that's what Scripture directs us to time and time again. It's not the intermediate state between earthly life and resurrection. I mean, that exists, and Scripture speaks of that some. But Scripture speaks again and again of the resurrection. And that's the goal that we're directed toward. That's our completion. It's then, at that point, point number three, that our salvation is complete. Now, point B, previously to conversion, sin reigned unopposed. Again, it was all we knew. But now that it's threatened, now that someone else has come, a new will has come and has dominion, it wants its power back. It wants to regain control of your mind. So that's the struggle. As St. Paul said, the good that I want to do, I don't. The evil I don't want to do, that's what I usually end up doing. And we live with that remorse. We live with that regret and that pain. And we know it will continue until the day God calls us home. We wish we could have a do-over. 
But God doesn't give us do-overs. No. He doesn't commission you to save yourself. It's just that simple. He does something better. He sends his son. As St. Paul writes in Galatians, in the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. That would be all of us, Jew and Gentile alike. The law is written on the heart. And that one, Christ, is our substitute, not only in death on the cross, but also in life. He is our substitute. He lives the life that you and I fail to live. And that's a lot better than a do-over. He lives the life of a true human being, a true son of God, who obeys in every respect all the way to the cross. That's what God has provided for all of us who are in this struggle. He provides his son. Point number three, the Lord finishes what he has begun. I had an uncle, uh, Uncle Andy, uh, Andrew Armstrong, uh, in Raymer, Alabama, a little um, rural community. And Uncle Andy, we went to visit him uh, years ago, and he was a guy who would start a project but never finish it. And it was so frustrating to go around his house and see all the unfinished stuff, some drywall that's not complete. You ask him when he started on that, and it was, oh, a couple years ago, and he still doesn't have it done. But it was like that all over his property, unfinished projects. It just kind of makes you go, ugh, you know, finish something for crying out loud. Well, God's not like that. He's not like Uncle Andy. He finishes what he begins. And, and it is the beginning of something that causes us to look ahead and anticipate the completion. Whenever you see a project underway, it, it, it may be a, a, a a redo of your kitchen or whatever it may be. You long for the finished product and you imagine what it looks like. You visualize that in your head. You see, the beginning of something causes you to look forward to the completion. And that's what God has done for us in giving us a new beginning. Our gaze is directed to the goal line, which is the resurrection of the body. So point A, we look forward to completion. We look forward to completion. Now, you know, um, I-65 is just a few miles that direction. And it's over 800 miles in length. It runs from Gary down to Mobile. And it, it goes, you know, through Indianapolis and Louisville and Nashville and, and Montgomery down to Mobile, Alabama. And I have to believe that at any point in time, I-65 is under construction. Somewhere, it's under construction. Probably several places it's under construction. If you go south of Seymour, I believe, I was down that way not long ago, and it's under construction. See, it always is. And so what you have on I-65, when you travel uh, its length, you'll find that there's rubble and debris. The old road is broken up. And it's a big mess. And then right next to it, 
you'll, you'll see a perfectly smooth, new, beautiful concrete. I mean, you can see it south of Seymour. It just makes your mouth water if you're interested in something like that. And, and, and you, you see this wonderful new road, you know. There's no cracks or anything like that. Perfectly smooth. Or, or when they asphalt it over and do something like that. Again, it's just a beautiful new highway. It's, it's gorgeous. A sight to behold. Well, you and I are like that. You know, on the one hand, there's the rubble and there's the debris of our failure every day. But on the other hand, there is that beautiful, new, smooth, perfect highway, which is the new man in you, Christ in you, the new will that he's created as a result of your baptism. Those two exist side by side. The rubble's there, but the new road is there as well. We're always under construction. This side of heaven. And I like the way I cite, actually, uh, under point B, our, our future glory far exceeds our struggles today. And St. Paul says that in Romans chapter 8. But also uh, John 16, 21, uh, a, a beautiful passage. Uh, these are the words of our Lord. When a woman is giving birth, he says, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby... She forgets her anguish because of the joy that a new human being has come into the world. Well, there is a new human being in you already. You're under construction. You're not finished. We won't be finished until the last day, until the return of our Lord. But the project's underway. And when any new project is begun... Our minds are directed to the completion. We visualize it, we anticipate it, we wait for it. And this is what the Lord is doing for and in us. And by his grace, we wait for our completion. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.